grateful to have you here, Brian. And I know that Rick, your counterpart, uh, did want to make it, but unfortunately he can't be here with us today. And um, I was able to meet both Rick and Brian at Adepticon. And if you haven't mm -hmm. seen that video, make sure to check that out. I do a brief rundown, but I was super excited this past year's Adepticon to be able to play Dead Zone, which is a game that I just love. I did a comparison video <laughs> with, um, you know, Games Workshop stuff, and I definitely prefer this. So uh, the tournament really helped me out a lot. I learned how to play the game and got excited so much that I came back and was able to start playing here at my local gaming store. So, That's excellent. <laughs> so Brian, if you can introduce yourself as well, a little bit of your story with Rick, just so that my viewers know where you guys are coming from, that would be fantastic. Sure thing, and thanks thanks for having us on the show. Uh, so my name is Brian. I'm, I'm one of the two hosts of Dead Zone, the podcast. Uh, my, my counterpart, Rick, uh, unfortunately, is a very busy time of the year for him, uh, so he wasn't able to make it. Basically, Rick was a uh, had had started playing Dead Zone uh, in first edition uh, with his with his family. It was kind of his first foray into miniature gaming, and uh, at a certain point, he's like, you know what? It'd be kind of neat if I uh, expanded this this group because it was mostly just him uh, and his daughter and his son that were playing, and uh, and so he he joined the Path Mantic Pathfinders group, which is uh, kind of the community outreach folks. And uh, and he had his first demo uh, where I met him <laughs> and immediately took to the game. I had been uh, an old Warhammer 40k third edition player back back in the day uh, and had had a long, long break from miniature gaming and Dead Zone definitely immediately caught my eye and then uh, had had my attention. And so we became pretty fast friends very quickly kind of slowly grew a, a gaming community uh, in our area of, of Lansing, Michigan. And uh, from there, uh, we call that the Michigan Mantic community uh, on Facebook. You can find us there. And then uh, over time, uh, there had been two previous hosts of Dead Zone, the podcast. They've been doing it for a number of years. And and I think we, we started our run. They basically uh, handed over the show. Uh, they kind of retired from it. And uh, and kind of gifted it to us at episode 100. Uh, wow. So so they had been doing it uh, like usually once a month for you know 100 100 episodes. And uh, and yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, Dead Zone and and the rest of the Mantic uh, game community has has been wonderful. Uh, always always enjoyed it. The game itself is is an absolute blast. And uh, and we've we've kind of expanded the scope of the show a little bit. It used to just very be very focused on Dead Zone, uh, but we've also included a lot of the other Warpath content, which is kind of the the universe that Mantic has for its sci-fi. So we talk about Dreadball, Star Saga, uh, Firefight is the the other big launch that they just had, and uh, and yeah. And it's it's funny that you you mentioned them the uh, your your comparison video because that's the first video I saw of you as I was just like on on YouTube checking out and I'm like yeah this guy gets it <laughs> so no it's it's great uh, and thank you for having having me on the show okay great um, so now do you want to do your intro for the podcast and we can just go straight into it no I, I think we can we can roll with it usually we can. I just splice whatever. 
Welcome to the Dead Zone Podcast. Dead Zone is the sci-fi tabletop. Okay, great. So um, how often do you and Rick do the podcast? So we do the podcast about once a month uh, for kind of our main episodes. Those air on the 28th of, of each month. Uh, and then uh, every now and then uh, we will do kind of interstitial uh, episodes if we have kind of some extra content for that month. Uh, we did a lot of interviews leading up to Dead Zone 3rd Edition's launch and Firefight's launch. Uh, stuff for the, the Magnetar uh, circuit book that came out for Dreadball a little while ago. So we kind of, we, we, we just make sure we always get the one episode in uh, per month is kind of our, our minimum. Okay, great. Yeah, and I've had an opportunity to listen to a couple of them as well. So viewers, make sure to check out the links below to go to their podcast and definitely listen in on that. I like listening to your podcast, Brian, while I'm painting oh, up the <laughs> many miniatures I now have for Dead Zone and now for Firefight as well. So yes. I have a lot of miniatures that I need to paint. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's been really helpful to get your insight and I even threw over your way some rules questions that our group had <laughs> that we had to try to figure out as well. So really oh, grateful sure. to have you as a resource. Absolutely. And we're always, we're always happy to help. And, and like I said, the, the gaming community around this game has, has really been uh, very welcoming and, and warm. Uh, you'll see people posting their paint jobs and, and their practice scheme or posting questions. And, and everyone's there to, to help and encourage, uh, which, is, which is just great to have for a game. Great. And um, <clears throat> how much do you think Dead Zone... Uh, do you feel like it's increasing in popularity, especially since recently there's been a little bit of, I feel like, um, reaction against uh, either pricing or scarcity of models from Games Workshop. So a number of folks that I know have sort of jumped ship and gone to things like one-page rules or simpler mm -hmm. rule sets um, sure. or getting you know 3D printing miniatures or getting miniatures that are a lot more affordable. And have you seen, in your experience, a growth in some of the Mantic games? I know Kings of War became super popular. Yeah. Uh, I know people are playing Legion. Star Wars Legion blew up. Um, yeah. But uh, are you seeing a similar growth in Dead Zone or even other Mantic products? Well, I, I, I don't. Uh, I can't speak for for the the impact from other games. Uh, a lot of times, since I, I'm I'm personally pretty focused on on the Mantic stuff. Uh -huh. uh, but I can I can safely say like we have had a huge uh, uptick in in players uh, across the board, uh, especially Dead Zone Third Edition, uh, which which came out just a little bit ago, uh, was was a, a very polished um, and and high production quality uh, launch for for uh, the third edition, and and second edition had been. Had been pretty pretty solid, and then we had a couple expansions along the way. But third edition is this really big push uh, to to get the game out there, and uh, and and we have a a bigger I think set of of minis come in the box, uh, a bigger set of terrain 
uh, packs, which is which is huge for for Dead Zone. Um, for those that aren't aware, Dead Zone takes place like on a on a little eight by eight grid, uh, and then it's actually cubed. So we're we're talking three dimensional, uh, where where the elevation that you have has a has a very real impact on the game, and uh, so with that, Dead Zone does kind of tend to have some specialized terrain that you kind of have to to include in your in your repertoire. But uh, but ultimately, I think we've we've seen a huge increase in in players. The third edition rules are very well polished, um, very well balanced, and uh, and we're we're going into the the first big like tournament circuit of third edition's rules. So we'll probably be seeing uh, some some FAQ start to to come up, but uh, for the most part, uh, people really seem to enjoy it. Constantly seeing those posts of people going, "Hey, I just I tried this. I I was at a demo, or I tried this game for the first time after looking at the rules. Uh, the rules themselves uh, are free online, and there's a there's a list builder on Easy Army for Mantic uh, that you can do. Uh, it's for free. You can do like one one printout. Um, or like one army list per per game. Well, once you if you subscribe to that, uh, you get the full list of games and and uh, full rules can be included in your army list, which is really handy. Uh, and then also with with firefight, uh, just uh, coming out of the gate, uh, I think that has been a, a really huge success so far uh, from the community standpoint. I I can certainly say uh, I actually just played. Uh, two days ago, my first full game of firefight against Rick, okay. and uh, and we really loved it. We were we were in the beta, and we saw a lot of improvement on it. Um, and so, like with that, I, I think I think uh, Mantic is in a really great position. Uh, both uh, third edition of of Dead Zone and second edition of Firefight, they did not do Kickstarters, mm -hmm. which uh, I kind of mark as, as a really good um moment of, of success uh some of the previous editions they they did kickstart projects and things like that but uh, i think we're really seeing them they've got their their grounding uh and they're really able to expand the scope of, of what they can do as as a small company mm -hmm. yeah and um again for those of you who don't know the game as well one of the things that i really like about dead zone and that is unique as brian was saying because everything is gridded in a three inch by three inch and three inch cube height cube, that's why you do have some of that unique uh, terrain that fits within that. Mm -hmm. But it also means you don't use any measuring tools. So yeah. <laughs> each one of your units have movement based off of the number of squares that you can go both um, horizontally as well as vertically. And that just makes measuring super easy, uh, range really easy. So for those of you who might be a little bit turned off by using rulers and all that kinds of stuff, <laughs> I really like how Dead Zone simplifies movement uh, and range and all that kinds of stuff. And it's a quick game. It it's is a really very quick. quick. Um, most of the time, you know, we're getting games done, hour and a half, um, a two-player game. Uh, even we had a three-player game the other day, and that took a little bit longer with two and a half hours. But it's still <laughs> relatively quick. And the dice, right? Um, uh, the dice, D8s. yeah, the dice just makes it swingy. It's not a D6, so there's much more range. I feel like with the D8s, mm -hmm. and I like that. Um, and because of the exploding eights, when you roll an eight, you roll an additional die for that, and sometimes that multiplies. So you have a basic scrub on your team being able to take out their their most powerful character on their side. 
just mm -hmm. with the swinginess of the dice. And I actually like that. Some people don't yeah. like how swingy the dice can be, but it makes every army viable. That's yeah. what I like. Um, yeah. You know, there are some strengths and weaknesses to each of the armies, but because the dice are, um, you know, so randomized, it keeps everyone in the game because, you know, even as we're starting out, our lists are not optimized. You know, <laughs> we're, right, we're right. just sort of putting together lists randomly until we get to know each of the factions and, and um, uh, units a little bit more. But we've sort of traded around who's winning because just because the dice, you know, you're throwing a lot of dice. And as you said, all of the modifiers of a clear shot or a higher terrain or using a sniper scope, you're mm -hmm. putting in more. And so that just makes it, I feel like, really good in the sense that every faction, every army is viable. You can win with almost yeah. any army. Absolutely. And and there, there are definitely uh, some, some really uh, great moments. And, and like one thing I always kind of uh, point to with, with Dead Zone, and this actually goes to a lot of the Mantic properties, is things for like the mechanics of the game, like the actual, this is how you, you play and whatnot. Like, uh, so you like when you roll to shoot, you get three, three of these D8s and there's a number on your, your card or your, your character, or whoever your model that you're shooting with, and that's the number that you have to roll. And and modifiers in this game like just come in. You're adding dice to that pool, or you're subtracting them. Um, and and so it's it's very very straightforward. It's very simple as far as as those mechanics go. So where where the key like strategy uh, component is in Dead Zone is that movement and placement within the cube because you can place yourself anywhere within the cube but uh the the how line of sight works is uh you kind of mentioned earlier is we don't really have cover everyone's kind of assumed to be in cover so it's you don't get any penalties or or buffs for being in cover but you do uh the shooter gets an advantage they get an extra two dice if your model is out in the open uh, and you have a clear shot to them. So, like the the simplicity of the game mechanics help keep it moving at a very very fast and smooth pace. Uh, and so the the key part of it is is so much on that placement in the cube and the movement and kind of making sure your character never gets into that position where they're out in the open or things like that. Uh, it just makes it a very a game that has a a very easy level of entry, but still that that great level of like it takes a lot of practice and and technique to get really good at the game. Mm -hmm. um, but but at at the base level, you can get into this very quickly. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Brian. And I'm Rick. This is Blaine. You are listening to Dead Zone, the podcast. Keep listening for more excellent material from these two amazing men. Blaine, out. Absolutely. And I think, again, as I mentioned before, a lot of people are wanting uh, game and rule sets that are easier to get mm. into as well as having a lower model count so that they're not yeah. committing to, you know, fielding, um, you know, 50 units that they have to build and paint up. And 
that's yeah. one of the great things about Dead Zone because you can get away with, uh, depending on the cost point of your models, you know, anywhere between a dozen to uh, at the most maybe uh, approaching twenty, but it isn't that yeah. many. No, no, it's and and that's even at uh, like you're kind of mentioning like the two hundred point level, which is which is kind of the the higher competitive side. So so point ranges of, of a game is usually kind of uh, one hundred is usually your starter mm -hmm. uh, level. One fifty is is. Uh, usually that kind of the middle ground that most people find themselves. Uh, then there's 200, which uh, it's kind of either 150 or 200 that you see a lot of tournament scenes. Uh, Rick and I actually, we kind of like the one right in the middle of that, the 175. Um, and so like when it comes to list building at 150, you kind of have to specialize um, your, your list a little bit. You kind of have to have, it, have a good focus to it. Um, but whereas at like at 200, uh, you can kind of bring all the toys uh, for the most part uh, to the fight. And so 175 we've kind of found is a really uh, sweet spot where it's you you have to have kind of a focus, but you can bring some some other things if that focus needs you know something to protect it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, I I absolutely love the the lower model count. Um, you know, only only having to bring like 12 models. It uh, makes it for for me. I'm also a pathfinder um, when it comes to demoing or or showing the game off to newer players. I can have my little army, uh, uh, my little ca carrying case that has like all the factions with a viable list, a competitive list at that, mm -hmm. um, all in one carrying case. And it's like, all right, what do you want to play today? Yeah, yeah, I and. Because of the, that low model count, I have uh, three factions, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm able to, you know, I have my enforcers, I have the plague, and right now I invested in the GCPS. And so I'm able nice. to paint them up, assemble and paint them up and have all of that available for people to play once I get to the store. Mm -hmm. and, and two, um, I know you kind of spoke a little bit to the, the price point earlier. Uh, I know Mantic uh, prices on some kits have gone up a little bit recently. Uh, they do, they would do a lot of in-house resin um, for for some of their more specialized models. Uh, but I, I gotta say, like the starter set is enough to play at a tournament level, mm -hmm. um, like of any faction. Uh, usually they come in in a starter set and one to two boosters these days. I think for third edition is kind of how they've set it up. Mm -hmm. But uh, you you have uh, plenty of models uh, for any faction to to play at that competitive at least 150, if not a little higher, uh, in a starter box set, which uh, in the U.S. runs you maybe $40, I think they are these days. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it, it's the the price point for getting into the game, uh, I think, is, is in a, a really good spot, especially compared to its competition, but, like, the, the quality... Uh, that you get um, uh, as far as like like the the two player starter set comes with fat you know the the GCPS and the Veermen uh, who are the space rats uh, GCPS for those aren't aware is kind of your starship troopers uh, mm -hmm. of the bunch uh, maybe your Imperial Guard uh, yeah. wait they're not called that anymore are they <laughs> yeah I'm showing my age uh, they're called Cadians now <laughs> yeah okay there you go and um, but yeah, so so like within those sets, you really do get uh, 
everything you need to to play the game uh, right away. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, recommend looking into those sets. And and uh, we're all, it's also uh, typically a pretty proxy friendly game. Um, uh, with, with Mantic, they have been making that push in like the Kings of War scene. I know too. Uh, they, they they're going that extra mile to like kind of reward those players that uh, you know have the hundred percent Mantic lists uh, for in their set because uh, you know Kings of War is also a pretty proxy friendly uh, game. Uh, but it's like you know to get the top uh, general uh, award at a tournament, you especially a Mantic uh, sponsored one. Uh, you need to have the the hundred percent mantic, yeah. uh, but in, in dead zone as well, um, the base sizes is kind of the only uh, sticking point uh, as far as as proxying goes, because uh, uh, we it's a twenty eight millimeter base and it's it's a fairly um, I think it's it's non heroic scale. I don't know if that means it's like realistic scale, um, but uh, so so it is kind of just one thing to take into consideration. But ultimately, if you just want to try out a faction, uh, you can you can proxy with with things that are just equivalent in size, uh, kind of get a feel for it. Because they do, uh, as you kind of mentioned, they do play a little differently. Uh, each each faction really kind of has its own flavor to it, uh, and that can that can suit different play styles too. Uh, so, uh, for instance, I'm I'm a Rebs player uh, at, at heart, and uh, and so they're a very shooty but very squishy. Uh, uh, faction, um, and then I have a. They have a lot of like combos that work well. So the rebs, rebs are really strong, but they do take a little practice to get used to. Um, versus something like the Forge Father or or the uh, or the kind of the Space Dwarves or the Enforcers, kind of Space Marine equivalent, uh, who are are heavily armored uh, and and very good at shooting things. Uh, so so they they have that distinct feel. Uh, from one another. Yeah, and um, you know, again, for those of you who haven't seen my comparison video between Kill Team and Dead Zone, um, it was Kill Team the first uh, iteration of it, and then mm -hmm. Dead Zone the second. And uh, clearly, I like Dead Zone better. Um, <laughs> but you know, on to be completely honest, I was looking forward to Kill Team Two that just came out last year. Sure and was hoping that they were going to take Warcry, which is my favorite mm. um, Games Workshop game, because I feel like the rule set there is very streamlined, very easy to get into, and I was hoping they were going to do that for Kill Team. Sure. And they definitely improved Kill Team with the second iteration, but it's it's still co too complicated for me. It's gotcha. still too many rules, and so... Um, and and had Kill Team been more accessible, I would have just gone that route just because it would have been easier to find players. But because sure. it didn't, that's when I just signed up for the tournament at Adepticon and I just decided to go full in with Dead Zone. Hey. Community Pat, and you're listening to Dead Zone the Podcast 2.0 with Rick and Brian. Rick and Brian, what happened to the other two yahoos? Why are you wasting my time with these guys? I don't even know who these guys are. Dead Zone 2.0, this is stupid. You know, one of the things too that um, that I like about Dead Zone was I did hear about Firefight, the bigger mm -hmm. mass army battle game, 
And I feel like it's a little bit of a misnomer to call it Firefight 2 because I know the original edition that this second one is very different from it. So it's very it, different. It, it almost could have been named something else um, because the, the rule yeah. set is, is, I feel like, superior and way better. Um, but talking about cost, getting back to what you were talking about with cost, Brian, and I'm used to Games Workshop prices, you know, sure. because I, I want a GCPS um, um, army to play in Firefight, that wasn't in the starter kit. I did get the starter kit, which has the Marauders, which are the Orc equivalents, mm. and then the Enforcers. Um, but I really wanted to play GCPS. So I picked up the GCPS um, starter of, for Firefight, which gives you massive numbers, uh, a, oh, yeah. a complete army, which you can definitely use, obviously, for Dead Zone, which is what I'm doing now. Yep. Um, but, you know, um, at my local store, less than $100. It was close to $80 to pick up that box. Nice. For an entire army. And yeah. because I wanted the mortar units, which doesn't come in the Firefight Army box, I picked up a box for the starter box for Warpath, right? The hmm. GCPS starter box for Warpath, which is an yep. older box set. Yeah. But it had uh, a couple of walkers. It had the uh, mortar teams, the heavy weapons teams. Mm -hmm. And so basically for $160, which I know for some people sounds like a lot, but for me who's used to <laughs> three, $400 to field a basic army, right. to me that's a deal. Because now I have way more GCPS uh, basic units than I will ever need. But I have all of the specialty ones for what I feel like is a bargain. It's just... Oh yeah, super cheap and affordable. Yeah, if if you are if you've been in in the market and have been looking at, you know, uh, the Games Workshop is always kind of the the one that's front and center. Uh, the the price point, uh, you really you really can't beat it. Um, uh, yeah, like on even online, like the GCPS Strike Force that you're talking about is is runs a hundred dollars. Uh, to to order it from from the UK. Yeah. Obviously, if you can get a, a local game store. Uh, to kind of help you out with that, that's always a plus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get uh, an equivalent of, I'm kind of doing the math here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, uh, drops, as, as we're kind of calling them, of, of units to, to field. And so that that's right around, I think, a thousand points mm -hmm. uh, out of that that core box. Yeah. Um, and, and you have a lot of flexibility. These guys, uh, a lot of the hard plastic kits come with with a, with a lot of the um, alternate weapon loadouts, a lot of a lot of flexibility. A lot of them are multi-part these days, uh, so you you can really put them together. The Marauders, uh, the the Space Orc equivalent, uh, they they just released new hard plastics for them, actually, and they look stellar. Um, they the the Marauders are fun a fun faction in uh, in the Warpath universe uh, because they're. They're they're brutal. They're they're violent, uh, to be sure. But they're not stupid. They are they're very cunning strategists, and they play off people assuming that they're because they're they're really good at warfare that they're they're just kind of mindless. Uh, but uh, they're a really fun faction, and uh, and and yeah, they they have a really great story within the lore. Uh, I won't spoil it here. Because uh, that'll take too long, probably. But um, definitely look into uh, these starter sets, especially because uh, you you have each one. I think is priced at a, at about hundred, and 
Uh, you have more that are that are kind of like horde factions. So the the plague have have a lot of zombies, and and you're talking about uh, a lot of units. And and these factions have usually like ten models to a to a unit for their basic guys, and then usually five. Um, it, it has a similar uh, loadout scheme to like one page rules where you have kind of like here's your base set, and then you can add models for additional points to expand that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for your, your, your heavier, stockier guys, like the Forge Fathers, uh, usually you start with like five guys in a unit, um, and kind of expand it from there. So it's usually, uh, uh either like 10, five or one, <laughs> one or two, yeah. uh, for, for kind of the, the units, uh, sizes. Mm-hmm. So even, even at that point, uh, to kind of the, the smaller model count, uh, kind of thing like it's not if you have a dead zone force you're kind of like a third of the way there yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you just need to, to get a little bit more to get you across that finish line but like you're saying these models go across the games uh, so you really can take them and play them in, you know if you if you have a, a firefight uh, strike force a starter set that you got man you've got your set for uh, for dead zone. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the things, too, that I wanted to mention, you know, I 3D print, so I could have totally 3D printed a proxy army for basically any of the factions. But because the price is so cheap, (laughs) all of the effort that it takes, you know, to uh, print them out, to clean resin prints, you know, all that, you know, UV lighting, it just is more economical for me to just purchase for the sure. Mantic stuff, you know? Um, so that's, that's again, something that's a breath of fresh air. And I really respect mm-hmm. Mantic a lot as a company. You know, I, I played a couple of their other games as well and yeah. just, just really like their philosophy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah, have they, much, con- do you, Rick, do you and Rick have much contact directly with folks uh, over in the UK with Mantic headquarters? Uh, yeah, we've, we've got, uh, we're, Facebook friends with a number of them, okay. uh, to be sure, and we we message them uh, from time to time. Uh, Rob Berman, who's who's been uh, he's one of the top guys over there. Uh, you'll see him if if you watch any of the tutorial videos coming out of Mantic. Uh, he's he's very often uh, the the spokesperson, and uh, and we've had him on the show a couple of times. Uh, it's been a hot minute since uh, we've had Ronnie Renton on the show, uh, who who's the top guy at Mantic. Um, he stole my hat one year at Adepticon, but he gave it back. So <laughs> uh, he, he's, he's a really, he's a really great guy. Uh, he, he's absolutely, he's, he's got so much energy and love for these games. Um, and, and like you're saying, their, their philosophy is definitely like if we, because they, they often uh, have put out their rules, their core rules for free online, which is, which I understand is becoming a much more common trend. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, you know they they definitely have that philosophy. It's like, hey, if we make this game available to people, they will play it because uh, of of how clean it is, or you know how how easy it is to play, or or you know that that's uh, that scope of of growth that you can you can see as you're playing the game. Uh, heck, even even losing, uh, you know, in, in second edition when it first came out, Rebs Rebs were not a very strong force. Uh, and, uh, but they, they were like my go-to faction, 
Uh, the, if you like Firefly, the brown coats and everything like that, they're they're just the plucky groups fighting against the uh, the the gigantic intergalactic industrial complex <laughs> kind of thing, uh, the mega corporations of the future, and uh, and heck, even I, I lost like for months. I didn't win a single game with the Rebs until I got the hang of it. And I got better. Uh, and, and so that was kind of a fun thing to like take this force that that's kind of uh, harder to play and, and figure out how to use them to their best uh, to, to really start winning. I, I've won a number of tournaments with them. Uh, since then, they have, have become one of the, the better uh, faction options out there. Um, as far as like a uh, variety of, of force. And like I said, they're really good at, at combos of, of uh, setting up like, okay, I'm going to use this guy to pin this target so he's on the ground, and then I'll have my giant melee guy as a one-two punch kind of go and stomp on him. Uh, so it's, uh, it's really a really good, a good time. Good. And um, let's transition now and talk a little bit about the summer campaign called yeah. Magnetar. Uh, so can you uh, share a little bit for our viewers who might not be familiar? Mantic does these summer campaigns, uh, and we are our group is currently doing the Magnetar campaign, but can you explain Excellent. what that is exactly? Sure. Uh, so so the, the summer campaigns that they do, they kind of rotate them uh, around their, their games, uh, like, such as Kings of War uh, sometimes has, has a big global event, uh, and then in this case uh, for, for their sci-fi uh, range they kind of swing <laughs> between fantasy and sci-fi a lot um, is that uh, so we have uh, a setting for for this global campaign it's a planet called Magnetar and on Magnetar is Magnetar City which is a continent spanning city uh, kind of think of of Coruscant um, this is in I think it's the second sphere uh, which is it's uh, less of frontier space. Um, so, so more kind of highly, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, it's, it's been built up. There's, there's huge cities. Uh, it's, it's got, uh, industries going on. There's, there's entertainment districts and everything like that. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Dreadball had, had a whole circuit, uh, like a league setting, uh, within, uh, the planets around Magnetar. And, uh, and so with this campaign, uh, basically, uh, the, the story as it is, is that uh, the Veermen, our, our giant space rats, have just burst out of the under undergrowth of this city and have been uh, flooding it, uh, as it were. And so uh, they, they enact what they call uh, the containment protocols, uh, which uh, is basically they lock down the planet, sever all communication, no one goes in or out. Uh, and that's what they, why they call it a dead zone. And uh, from there, all the factions kind of are are present and trying to either get you know loot before before uh, the planet gets you know completely destroyed or everyone's kind of fighting for control of this place. And so there there are a number of, of locations uh, that that are uh, even as we speak now are in the process of unlocking. They kind of do them on a week by week. Um, and uh, within that, you basically, have uh, you get to play a dead zone game at whatever point level that you want to play at. So it's very uh, welcoming to, to newer players as well as veterans. Um, and then based on the location you decide to fight at, it has some additional kind of environmental effects. 
so the the first one that came out, uh, I'm trying to remember, was the Entertainment District. And basically uh, within that, uh, at a certain point in the game, uh, this little NPC would appear on the map uh, that's basically trying to steal a whole bunch of, of credits, uh, mega, mega credits, I think they're called. And, uh, and basically the players then have the opportunity to subdue that guy and, and net four victory points, uh, which, which in dead zone uh, goes, goes quite a ways. Uh, at 150 points, you're looking at 16 victory points is your goal. Uh, so getting four of that uh, is, is pretty, pretty uh, huge. Um, the second location uh, was in the, the research uh, area of, of Magnetar City. And so there uh, we had escaped plague victims from the Maison Labs, who are kind of like your umbrella corporation uh, uh, types. So they, they have these kind of uh, mind-controlled zombies that they, they let loose, uh, as it were. And so they, they, they can kind of mess things up on the field and fight uh, either player. And, uh, and they just announced the new one, which, uh, which is at the Port District. And, and unfortunately, I didn't, uh, didn't look into what that one was at the time. I think it has something to do with water levels uh, mm -hmm. on the map, though. So uh, it's really, really fun and exciting uh, that, that it kind of has that little extra flavor uh, to, to make the games just that little bit different uh, from, from the typical uh, back and forth. But uh, all that said, uh, so that's kind of the setting. So with these results, what they do is, is they have a website set up where they collect uh, the, the victories and losses of, of each faction. Uh, and they are, they are tracking to see who controls the planet uh, by the end of the campaign. And, and each district has a level of control. I think according to the rules, you, a faction would need to control two locations to consider winning the planet. Um, but, but with that, uh, Mantic has been really good about, uh, the, the, the lore for the game. Obviously it hasn't been out as, as long as, as some, some of its competition. Um, and so a lot of the, that the, the space as it were, the lore and the story, there's a good chunk of it that's fleshed out and it's really fantastic. I recommend, uh, reading it. Uh, a lot of it's in the, the core rule book now. Um, for Dead Zone and I think Firefight has has a good chunk too, uh, but the the as far as where we're going in the future, uh, actually these global campaigns have a direct impact on on the, on those results. Um, so so it's really exciting to see uh, you know who who is ultimately gonna gonna come out of this on top uh, and what that ultimately means for the future. Yeah, it is really fun. You know, just being able to each week we're recording who won and uh, which mm -hmm. armies are playing. And then to be able to see the graph of, you know, just globally, you know, the results of that week's uh, gaming. So it is fun to feel like, you know, you're especially for us here in St. Louis, we're just starting a dead zone scene. So mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of players, but just to see the effect that we can have with future narrative um stories for dead zone it's just really fun and exciting so i'm glad that mantic does a glo global campaign like that i think it ties us all in together mm -hmm. it's really fun yeah hey everybody 
John Jack here from Dreadball Commercials. You've seen me. You love me. You know you want me. Here you're listening to Dead Zone, the podcast with Rick and Brian. Don't turn that dial or I'm coming for you. Um, I also want to transition because I do know sure. that the last week of the global campaign is to play Firefight. Yes. So the, the kind of finale for uh, of the, the global campaign uh, transitions us to a, a little bit bigger scale. Uh, so the last week, uh, basically do four weeks of Dead Zone, and then the last week is Firefight for week five. So it's the, uh, I think it's June 13th, I think is when that one drops. And, um, and so for that week, uh, you're, you're playing at the Firefight level. So that's, you know, four by four table or four by six even. And, uh, and with a lot more guys on the field, the only downside for me is that, uh, Rebs don't have a firefight faction yet. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, man. Uh, but, uh, I think, I think if we, if we unite the Rebs players, we can tech Magnetar. <laughs> you just have to believe. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hashtag free Magnetar. Now, yeah, and so that's a good point because there are a couple of the factions that do not come in a sort of starter boxes. So the yeah. nameless ones, which are sort of the Cthulhu type gross yeah. monsters, right? There's a faction <laughs> for them. Um, also, like you said, the Rebs doesn't have a faction box. Um, is there? Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, Maison Labs also, which right. is sort of a conglomeration. Along with the Rebs, is also a conglomeration of all of the factions um, sort of in this hodgepodge mixed unit. So yeah. if you want those, you can still purchase the smaller sets to um, bring together. Uh, but does do you know if Mantic has any plans to actually create box sets, starter sets for those armies? I think, I think it's... Uh, I, I don't have... Uh, much secret scuttlebutt kind of information on it, uh, but I know if, like from conversations and and kind of more public posting, uh, I think it, it's something that they want to do. Uh, ultimately, it's kind of a logistics thing. Um, the the Rebs uh, model kits, for instance, are are still kind of the original first edition uh, kits with with a with an extra set that came out with Star Saga, and so a lot of that is centered around like production. Uh, and, and converting those kits into hard plastics. Uh, for, for instance, like the Marauders was the big one that they just did, uh, taking, taking their old, I think, admittedly, I don't know the difference between all these different types of plastics, but like the old Rustic, I think is, is what they, the term that they use for them, all single pose things to making them sprue kits uh, for hard plastics. So you can, you can multi-pose uh, uh, models and whatnot. So that's, I think, the biggest challenge uh, for for these uh, specific lines of of Mantics. Maison Labs is probably would be the easiest one for them to roll out because uh, it's this at, at its core, it's kind of the GCPS um, like core marine units uh, with with some plague added in, and then you can you can uh, sprinkle in a lot of the other. Uh, they've got like cyborgs and all sorts of other stuff. Um, so they they might be the next most likely. Uh, and then with, with nameless Rebs might be last on that list. Uh, but we're hoping like one, one idea we at the podcast have been floating across the, the pond is, Hey, you know, the Rebs could be like an auxiliary faction and work with the Marauders 
So you don't have to have them at the, the whole scale. We can just be a small unit within their group, um, which is funny because that's what the Marauders were in Firefight 1. Uh -huh. uh, since they didn't have the full hard plastic uh, kits out yet, they were an auxiliary force for the GCPS. Okay. Uh, so I think I think they'll be... Um, They'll, they'll be that time where they, they ultimately will get around to it. I think there's there's a way through in the meantime mm -hmm. uh, to kind of help uh, help those of us that uh, fight the good fight, uh, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. I, actually, that's kind of a lie because most of the factions in, in the Warpath universe, you can't really call any of them, you know, 100% the good guys. Right, right. Because uh, as, as, as much as the Rebs are fighting... Uh, for a good cause, some of them are outright terrorists. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That, I, and, and they they made that. I like that nuance that they placed in the Star Wars universe with um, Rogue mm. One, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Where the rebels weren't all these squeaky clean, morally um, yeah. superior uh, <laughs> group. So, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, you know, and I haven't played Firefight yet. But I will say, you know, one of the differences with Firefight is you do need measuring because it's not based off the cube system. Mm -hmm. And there are no exploding eights. I think I was surprised because yeah. exploding eights is such a hallmark of all of Mantic's games. Yeah, uh, uh, exploding eights or, or sixes and, and Dreadball is, is a D6 based and they, they exploded on sixes as well. I do kind of miss that, but I, I think... I think there were there was a, a very conscious decision on that front that uh, I think maybe the math of it when you're when you're rolling that uh, many dice that many dice because yeah. so for instance like dead zone we mentioned is, is kind of a base three dice and then you're rolling uh, some extra dice with modifiers usually to a max of maybe maybe eight but usually like maybe six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, at, for like one shot and the guy you're shooting at also is rolling dice against you in firefight it's all kind of one side so it's like i'm rolling to shoot uh to see if i hit and then i'm also the one that's rolling to wound uh, i just need to know the number uh from the model that i'm attacking uh so so without your opponent really being able to modify that roll at all uh exploding exploding those eights uh probably wiped uh, quite a few units yeah. right off the board in, yeah. in an opening salvo. So yeah. I, I, I'm in a similar boat. I love the mechanic of it uh, because it, it can lead to such like just climactic, uh, you know, movie-esque moments. Um, but but I, I also understand from a balance perspective, yeah. uh, it, it probably wouldn't fit well with Firefight. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I totally see that as well in terms mm. of the math of how many dice that you're throwing with your units. But, you know, one thing, because this is something that I've criticized Games Workshop games for, is the um, two-hit roll and then the wound roll. And mm. I wish I wish Mantic would have stuck to an opposed roll because I think it could have easily been done where I'm rolling uh, to attack you, and then sure. instead of you again rolling out of your successes to see how many wound if mm -hmm. it was just an opposed defense roll, you know? Yeah. Because mathematically it still works out that way. Um, but sure. if, if, you know, 
yeah. Still, it's a small nitpicking thing. I still think that game is way superior to <laughs> most other war games that are too complex. Um, no worries. But, and, I, and, I, and I think part of that was something that they actually was a was a, a pull that they got from their Kings of War game, uh -huh. which is all like one one side's rolling all the dice. Yeah. Um, is I think it actually helps a lot with the speed of the game. Okay. Uh, is is with one player rolling and just you know not having to do any kind of graph charts like okay right. I've got I've got you've got this strength I got this toughness right and where do we intersect It's just here's my number and if I add or subtract one or two from that kind yeah. of thing. Um, I, I I absolutely understand what you're saying uh, and and games like Dead Zone or or Vanguard is is another one. That they've got where it's an opposed role, mm -hmm. uh, I definitely can see the the advantage of that, and and keeps keeps both players kind of engaged mm -hmm. um, with it as well. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of your trade off is is you know you kind of have that extra involvement from from the defender versus uh, the kind of like the speed, speed you can get it, when yeah. it's just one person rolling. And and um, to be fair, because. One side isn't moving their entire army and activating their entire army before the other side does. Yeah, you're totally more engaged because you're just moving one unit and activating one unit at a time, going back and forth. Which, again, you know, if you've seen any of my videos, I just don't know why <laughs> Games Workshop is still my entire army activates while you're just watching your phone and you know catching yeah, up on yeah. other things. Um, so, yeah, I just. Any game that does you go, I go in that sense of unit movements mm -hmm. and activations is going to win. It's just going to win because you're just yeah. going to be way more engaged. And I appreciate that about this game. And and I yeah. do know that the reason why you're doing a two wound roll is because you won't just completely wipe off entire units in one shot or one salvo. So that is right. a survivability choice uh, that mm -hmm. is being made. But it looks like the game still plays quickly. Seems like mm -hmm. the rules are relatively streamlined. And again, for me as a primarily dead zone player, I love that I can buy an entire army and pick and choose which ones I'm going to use for um, dead zone. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so again, if you're interested, I have a bunch of links that's going to be available below. Um, and I know Brian and Rick, uh, they can also resource you. Uh, if you're interested in getting in, definitely check out their Facebook page as well, as there's a lot of resources. There's a whole community there if you do have rules questions or even trying to track down. You know, I'm I'm trying to track down um, Lieutenant Raka, which is a specialist uh, model yep. um, that I can't find right now here in the United States. So maybe I can find a trade there on the Facebook page. But um, yeah, definitely check in. And I cannot recommend this game enough. It is my favorite sci-fi skirmish game, as I mentioned before. So mm -hmm. definitely want to uh, spread the word and try to get more players. And hopefully at Adepticon 2023, we will have yeah. a St. Louis contingent come there. and challenge there the go. Michigan folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would be great. Uh, and and yeah, the seeing seeing that that uh, come together of, of these these kind of gaming groups that that pop up. Uh, it's always a blast to meet up, especially at an event like Adepticon, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of a Mantic's kind of main uh, uh, dead zone uh, tournament happens there uh, for for the U.S. anyway. Um, and yeah, like you're saying, uh, Dead Zone Fanatics on Facebook is an excellent group. 
Um, I've kind of mentioned earlier that the community there is very positive and very welcoming. Uh, I, I definitely recommend if if you're kind of getting into the game or only have like one or two people or you just want to check it out, try joining that group and just kind of putting the word out. It's like, hey, I'm in this area. I'm looking for players and hopefully we can we can hook you up with somebody. And, uh, you know, I, I also uh, recommend like uh, uh, we have a, another event, uh, the Michigan GT uh, here here in Michigan. And uh, I just so happened to be talking with uh, one of the players that I was one of my opponents at Kings of War and found out that he lives like, you know, three minutes from my house. Uh, so, so it was like, I got him into dead zone. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so um, we, we're, we're dead zone, the podcast, uh, we're on Podbean is, is kind of where the main episodes air. We're on, on Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, Rick's got a TikTok going that, uh, somehow we've gotten over a thousand followers (laughs) and, uh, and it's, it's been, it's been wonderful and, and, uh, it's been an absolute blast and thank you bum for having, having me on the show. Yeah. And absolutely. For those of you who are around the St. Louis area, a a couple of us have started playing dead zone regularly at miniature markets, uh, both at the cave Springs location, as well as a Manchester location. If you're interested and you want to jump in, that's from two o'clock to four o'clock. Uh, make sure to make a comment in the video descriptions below and I'll get in touch with you because it sort of changes which site we go to based on table availability. Definitely would love to have you join. You don't need any experience. I have plenty of models for you to try out of action. <laughs> so come on over. We would love to have you as well. But thank you so much, Brian. And say hi to Rick for me. He was so awesome running that tournament. Uh, and Will hope do. that he's doing well too. But look forward Absolutely. to playing a lot more Dead Zone games and looking forward to hearing more from the two of you. Uh, same, same to you, Bum. It's, it's been great. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll see you later. Yep. Bye. All right, great. That was great.